This is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know using the reporting prowess of CQ Roll Call. I'm Sean Zeller. Today is Wednesday, May 20th. We are going to take a deep dive tonight into artificial intelligence and what is called the digital battlefield. The pandemic has affected every corner of government, And that is also true for the Defense Department. The pandemic is a war. There are casualties and enemies and even front lines. Tanks, ammunition, and guns won't help. Instead, data and artificial intelligence could be the weapons to help contain and understand COVID-19. CQ Roll Call's senior tech reporter, Gopal Ratnam, sat down with Lieutenant General John Shanahan who is the director of the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center, also known as Jake. His mandate has been to speed up the Pentagon's ability to deliver artificial intelligence capabilities and increase the use of AI across the military. As you leave this position, if you've been thinking about, you know, how does how does national security, what does national security mean and how does that intersect with uh, you know, artificial intelligence and the latest technologies in the context of this current crisis, um, is there going to be a change in focus and uh, scope for the work that Jake does uh, in the years ahead? Well, I view this as a watershed moment for us as a Department of Defense, and there's really two major components of that watershed moment. The first is the more obvious one, which is uh, this massive shift for the Department of Defense to teleworking, which my boss, the the Honorable Dana Deasy, as the chief information officer, has been involved in from the start. And and the statistics are just uh, remarkable where where the department was and where they are today in terms of the ability to telework. Uh, Anybody who knows the Department of Defense was quick to make snarky comments to months ago about the department's ability to do teleworking because we knew it was not it was not perfect to 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 mm-hmm. understate things uh it, it is amazing to watch how far it's come but the second one which i've been thinking a lot about is this idea of a digital battle that we're in right now and what i mean by that is we knew this was coming but to watch how hard it has been for everybody to aggregate the right kind of data at the right time and then understand what to do with that data has been illuminating for for us in the the Jake. There are many, many organizations and people that are aggregating sources of of data related to coronavirus. There are not Mm -hmm. that many that are doing artificial intelligence and machine learning after that aggregation and fusion happens to then provide some sort of predictive analytics. Anything from understanding COVID-19 modeling of the future to supply chain uh, predictive analysis of, of I have a supply uh, surfeit over here, I have a demand problem here, how do I match supply and, and, and demand? So I'm very interesting to watch us do this. I, I, it's an opportunity for us to drive a lot harder as a department into um, beginning to fix the challenges of not being AI ready. Data has become the coin of the realm. We all understood that, at least those who have been deep into machine learning have understood that very well. But now we're in this sort of digital battlefield. 
more data than ever before, but what do we really do about it? And that was the genesis for starting off Project Salus, which we talked a little bit about uh, oh, two months ago, to almost to the day when, when we got going on this, is what can we do with all of that data and then start doing some sort of predictive analytics on it? This will help drive real change in the department is understanding how to do better with data. Think about that. Think about the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Secretary, DevSecTech Vice Chairman, asking relatively, seemingly relatively simple questions. How many hospital beds are there? Where, where are they? What, what's our readiness? They're hard answers to get, unfortunately, because the data is not what it should be. So there's a whole coronavirus task force on the OSD side that we've been working with through our project, Salus, just focused on, on sort of that, that, those elements of, of the data ingestion, data curation, and then, of course, being able to do some predictive analytics on the back end. So, I mean, the, the project Salus, so this is something that uh, uh, non mentioned to me in a previous interview. Uh, it was just getting started. Where, where is that at the moment? Uh, you, this is the project about... Um, you know, taking all the different pieces of data and trying to project where there might be short supply of essential uh, equipment, gear, and so on. Right. Is that is there now a working model that uh, there, yeah, you know, so, has about others? Yeah, let me uh, give you a, a little bit of an update on that. And, and I was, I cannot be prouder of a small team. And this has been a small team. It might be 10 people at this point, but really started with half a dozen and, and grew to a couple more after that that just uh, took that sense of urgency, like everybody was was feeling when this all kicked off, and then got on this project with um, uh, trying to find how what we could bring in in terms of, of predictive analytics to help uh, senior leaders, decision makers at various places in the U.S. Northern Command, National Guard, Bureau, and uh, FEMA. We've, we've backed off of the FEMA piece because that requires a different set of policies that we, do, we, we were not authorized to have because FEMA didn't officially request DOD capabilities. But uh, mm-hmm. that's just no, no problem there because we have so much work going on with the United States Northern Command and General O'Shaughnessy and his team out there as well as the National Guard Bureau. And again, now I, I, we're up to over 70 different sources of data, commercial, open source, government data sets. Not all of those are in play yet because some of those do require a legal review. What, what I'm ecstatic about is this team has, in microcosm, demonstrated what we've always said that Jake should be about from day one, which is integrated product team. So a small integrated product team that has representatives on it from policy who bring in the policy concerns, the legal reviews to, through the Office of the General Counsel here in the department, to the ethical use of artificial intelligence, to test and evaluation, to product management, product development. That small integrated product team works very rapidly and can take that all in, in simultaneously rather than sequentially. So as a result of, of the work of this IPT, not doing this for our own purposes, but always with, with our customer, our users, uh, end users who are NORTHCOM National Guard Bureau, we're up to over 70 sources of data, some of which still going through that legal review I was just alluding to. But uh, it, it's an enormous amount of data, and we're, we're doing great things with it working in a common platform. But then in terms of the number of models itself, we're over 40 models in various stages of development. I will not claim that any model is perfect at this point. It's, it's the classic uh, Maven-Jake approach of get something out there and call it a minimum viable product, let the users tear it apart and tell us what they can do to make, the, make it better. Everything better from it's not quite what I needed to know about in terms of what data sources, but also 
the very basic stuff like user interface, user experience. We're really focusing on that more than we ever have before. So over 40 models on things like um, food supply chain, uh, supply demand problems or predictive analytics, model integration, medical hospital vulnerabilities. I mean, there's just so many different sources of data. We keep turning to the customer, what do you need to see? And then we will work with the sources of data we have. And if we don't have the right ones to get to your problem, we will go see if we can bring in additional sources of data. And it's very, very typical in, in these projects right now. The user has not used to seeing what AI or machine learning, natural language processing can even do. You've got to kind of feed them a little bit at a time and say, this is the art of the possible. What else would you like based on what you see? And until they've actually experienced it a little bit, it's a little hard for them to understand what it is they really want. So I'm, I'm just so proud of how far we've come. Now, our, now we're going to look for when do we transition this? We need a transition partner. This wouldn't be something that Jake would do over the long term. It might be the National Guard Bureau. It might be U.S. Northern Command. We don't quite know yet. We're working through that as we speak. But in 60, today is day 60 after standing up. And uh, back to when we had our conversation, it was a concept. 29 days later, first minimal viable product. It was basic. Mm. It was crude. It was brittle. But we're getting better and better at that. So we're 60 days into this, over 70 data sources, 40 models, and, and working all the other elements that we have to take into account, especially those policy reviews and, and legal reviews. Now, are these models, have any of them been sort of used in any kind of a real-life uh, situation? Yes, yes, yes. We're providing them to U.S. Northern Command for, for display on their common operational picture. They use ESRI as, as sort of their backdrop, their common operational picture. So we're trying to find the best ways to, to provide them to U.S. Northcom user base so it's as user-friendly as possible. And, and you know, and, and what we'd like to do, like everybody likes to do at the customer end, is get layered models, not just one model at a time, one tab at a time. It's how many different sources or how many different models can we put together to integrate into a common display. And then you can make it very uh, tailored to your, to your specific user situation. So we're doing some of that for Northern Command and some of it for the, for the National Guard. So yes, they're most definitely being used. Although, again, I would not claim that any of them are performing at that uh, 90, 95% solution yet. And this is just sort of a, a, a real journey of discovery back to what I said at the beginning is, is the more we learn about uh, the data sources and the, and the quality of the data and the format of the data and the condition of the data, then we're able to, to, to learn more and more of what we can actually do with it on the, on the back end of that aggregation and fusion. The initial stages of Project Maven, I mean, you, you, you had some difficulties working with the tech companies um, but now in the context of this project, Salus, and in, in, the, in the context of this current crisis, are you seeing a different uh, sort of response from uh, the tech companies around the country willing to collaborate and work more closely with the Department of Defense? Because, I mean, this is, this is obviously things like the project, Salus, this, is, this sounds like a national project uh, that requires greater close, closer involvement and coordination with the private sector commercial enterprises. Yeah, unquestionably, a, a, a desire, a thirst for coming in and helping the Department of Defense, understanding the, the magnitude of this national crisis. From the first days of, of, of us putting Salus together, we, we've had a outpouring offers of how do we, how do we join, join with you and the Jake to do this. So we have some, 
some tremendous companies uh, working with us. I'm not going to get into any name because I'm not sure all of them uh, are, are willing to have their names out there. But I'm more, more, what I'm more getting at is I don't want to leave anybody out. But we have some of the best technology companies in the country that do artificial intelligence, machine learning. But uh, equally important to me is the talent they bring along with the technology. This has never been just a technology. In fact, it's almost never uh, a technology problem at its very core. It's more of a culture problem and a, and a talent issue. Well, we're getting the, just superior support on the on the talent side from some of these vendors. So there is a there is a strong strong um, desire to work with the Department of Defense, and and I and I hope what this does is is sort of bleed over into beyond the COVID-19 crisis we're in right now to all our other projects Uh, and and sort of driving home this idea, this imperative of greater civil military fusion. I've talked about this early in my MAVEN days of, uh, and I don't don't try to make this sound like it was the halcyon days of of the 50s, but there was an opportunity where, or there was a time when you had the government, academia, and industry really working very closely together and beginning with sort of Bell Labs, MIT, and then migrated Mm -hmm. out to Silicon Valley. Uh, We lost that a little bit over the past uh, 20 years for a lot of different reasons. Uh, When I see the response to Project Salus, to include on the academia side, it brings back uh, a reminder of what the strength of this country is when you bring the three three entities together. Uh, And and I'm really impressed by it. I'm just hoping that... Uh, you know, we have a common common uh, talking point about China has a sort of this strength of civil military fusion. There, that may be true in some respects, and, and I, uh, mm-hmm. I think there's certain elements that are absolutely correct. But overall, when I see what we can do, and we join we join together with with the best of academia and the best of commercial industry, very powerful. That we could never do it by ourselves in the department right now. So, in in the context of this huge global pandemic. Um, it seems as if this is, a, in some level, it's like a much bigger uh, sort of a, a national security threat than people would typically imagine from conventional warfare, nuclear warfare, terrorism, and all of that. How do you see, you know, the role for uh, organizations like Jake changing uh, as a result of what we're going through? Um, are there new projects in addition to things like uh, the project sales? Are there things that, uh, you know, AI can intervene and help understand, uh, you know, global pandemics, uh, perhaps create a better early warning system, something like that? What would be those areas? Yeah, uh, so a couple of thoughts on that, a multifaceted question. I'm going to give you a multi, multi-component answer. <laughs> I'm always careful to say uh, the, the, if it, the pandemic, as as serious it is, is is a greater national security threat or risk, just because uh, humans humans still cause wars, and wars can be unbelievably uh, tragic on a national level for for everybody. So, while right now it seems that way, the fact that war is man made and 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 this. This pandemic is is the result of natural causes, as far as we know. So I never try to equate them one against the other. I think it really is back to a term I used before: a wake up call for the, for all of us for the, for globally. Globalization isn't necessarily we're not going to turn the clock back on globalization, but we also have to understand the consequences. What a lot of people have been talking about for years, which is global airline travel, rapid movement across the world. These pandemics are going to become, unfortunately. 
more more the norm than not over the course of the next you know twenty thirty years. So what what do we do about it? Well, that goes back to what what are the lessons we learned from the current one. And, and I do believe there is a great potential to bring in uh, artificial intelligence in one form or another. One to begin to, as you suggested, provide early warning of of future problems. And I did see, I have seen some evidence in a few places claiming they did see this coming through some of their machine learning capabilities, a, right, a, com- right. a company or two. Now, just like I've learned in the past, sometimes that, that always works in hindsight as opposed to being predictive. But in this case, there, there does seem to be sufficient evidence to, to say some companies got it right and, and saw something coming and took action, whether pulling people out or shifting business models. Mm-hmm. That should that should drive even more of that behavior in the future. Again, this isn't deterministic business. It's, it's, it's probabilistic. But if those probabilities are 90, 90 plus percent, you ought to start making some decisions. So this idea of what does a national warning network look like, uh, I think that the opportunities are there. Now I'll go back to what I said at the very beginning. This is a data problem. How do we bring in the right source data? What sources of data would be better than other sources of data? Is more data necessarily better or do you reach a point of culmination? Now it's just a, a question of finding the best uh, source of data, not all. I think there's their jury's a little out on that one. I think we've got to we've got to experiment a little bit uh, on on what the what the right answer is. So really getting to that idea of predictive versus sort of hindsight analysis, which which is infamous mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. for social media as well. I could have told you that based on social media, uh, the Arab <laughs> Spring was going to happen. I heard that thousand times when I was on the Joint Staff. What I want to know is when's it, when's it really coming next? So uh, so I right. do believe there's a great role here to play. In, uh, for artificial intelligence and uh, in, in sort of all fields related thereof uh, and just rules-based algorithms to bring together and sort of to stitch together a much better uh, warning system, which and will have some applicability and fungibility to other um, Department of Defense missions. As, as, I, as we've learned with Project Salus, I mean, it is a supply-demand predictive analytics problem we're trying to solve, but that's also a combatant-command joint logistics problem we're trying to solve. So we'll take the mm-hmm. lessons learned out of this and put something together uh, using sort of the same methodology and framework to uh, go after some of the combatant-command problems in the future. There are some calls for cutting back on defense spending. Uh, how do you see, does that make for a greater case, uh, sort of case for a greater allocation of, uh, you know, AI-based programs, uh, accelerating those, even if conventional sort of uh, warfare and defense uh, uh, programs are sort of scaled back or curtailed in some fashion? Without question. I, I use the term watershed moment. Now I'll use sort of similar but different defining moment. It's a defining moment as, as we look at the Department of Defense, and if you know Chris Bros, his new book on Kill Chain, gets right at the heart of what you're asking about right here. Do we really have the balance right? The idea of what is an information age, software-driven, risk-tolerant, decision-centric future look like? as opposed to more of an industrial age, hardware-driven one. It's not, it's not that one ends and the other begins. That would be ludicrous to suggest we, we just simply get rid of legacy systems tomorrow. But we know the budget pressures are about to be imposed on the department. I don't see any possible future other than lower budgets for the department over the next few years because of what's been spent in response to the coronavirus. So what do we do about it? You cannot keep going down the same path of buying everything you were buying before and still try to get into this future of this digital future, digital modernization, warfighting modernization, that you can't have it all together. I think we're going to have to make some hard decisions. The Secretary Esper did this, did this uh, uh, successfully in the Army in his night court, and he's, and he's really trying to do the same thing today at the Department of Defense level. This may just mm-hmm. accelerate some of those 
those uh, decisions because you can't have it all. Now, if, if I were, if, and I'm sort of very, very self-interested here, of course, but I think this is one of the areas that needs to be invested in significantly to be able to get to that future that we're talking about, because we know our adversaries w- will be thinking the same way. But uh, I, I just think it, it really is a time for us to balance sort of legacy against emerging and then start recognizing the fight of the future is not going to be the fight of the past. And we don't quite know what it looks like, but a number of people are getting closer and closer to, under, to understanding what, what it could look like. And that will drive mm-hmm. some, I hope, some big decisions about emerging and disruptive technology. What do you think you wish you had accomplished or finished uh, or there is still in the, in the to-do bar list as you leave? Well, that's a, it's a big question. Uh, I would say what I'm most proud of is what I call the Big Bang Theory. Mm. We, we created something out of nothing. So no people, no money, nowhere to work, and now 175 total people, uh, a very healthy budget over the FIDIP, assuming that doesn't change, mm-hmm. and facilities is, is being, being resolved as we speak. And and there there were there, I could have made a case, and I, I often think about this going back to the beginning, where I could have said this is an impossible task; it cannot be done with the resources I was given. But that's not my style. I refused to sort of take that that approach, and I said, let's just roll up our sleeves and get started, because I've seen far too many AI projects in the Department of Defense die. Uh, before it crosses the technology valley of death. I wanted to just mm-hmm. get going. That was the Maven philosophy. That was Colonel Drew Kukor. It's just, let's get going. So I'm very proud of that. Plenty of mistakes along the way. Uh, there were times in the early months where um, I wasn't sure we would ever get to this point. I'd just be blunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was very tough going, trying to, trying to fight for people, trying to fight for money. Uh, there, not everybody is a believer in this idea of a centralized AI organization where I'm passionate uh, that this is the right way to do it. So we, we've come a long way. And just within the last two months, during the middle of coronavirus, so we're doing all this by teleworking, I have been, I'll say, stunned by the increase in level of sophistication and maturity of the, the, the work that we're doing across all our mm-hmm. mission initiatives. We've got this now pointed in the right direction. But I will say, you know, sort of what worries me a little bit is, you know, Washington is a town in which memories are short and patience ten- tends to wear is a little thin. So um, I, I, we need three to five years to prove the value of the Jake. Uh, to do anything less mm-hmm. than that, it, I, I think, would be uh, doing, you know, not the greatest service uh, to, a, to, the, to this organization. The talent's coming, coming along. The, the delivery of product is really starting to pick up. And today was the kickoff of our big contract, our task award in joint warfighting operations. You've probably seen some mm-hmm. new stories about it. We worked that through the GSA Alliance, Alliant 2 contract. This is a big, this is a big for us. This is really what I've talked about before is our focus shifts more and more to warfighting operations over the course of the next year or two. So that's a, that's a big one. Uh, one of my final acts on the way out the door, which I owe here just within about uh, the time I, I really do leave, is the first of our required biannual reports to Congress on the state of the Jake. And uh, you know, it won't be uh, it won't be all a great news story, but uh, one uh, um, I told everybody we will be blunt in our honesty. Um, and then, as I actually look at the draft product, 
we've come farther than I ever expected we could have come in the 18 months since I took over as director. So I'm very proud of, mm-hmm. of what we've done with, with the people in this organization who are all passionate about uh, transforming the Department of Defense through artificial intelligence. And, and as I say um, to, to my team, if not the Jake, then who? And that's my that's mm. my question. Almost every day now, if not the Jake, then who? Somebody has to get going and do this at speed and scale. And this idea of an integrated product team, to me, is the is the way we need to do this, as opposed to uh, the sort of the, the more typical siloed or stove pipe approach to doing artificial intelligence in DoD. So I'm very I'm very optimistic, but I also know that there are alternative futures that would drive a, a lower. Um, degree of optimism depending on future budgets and decisions. But really, uh, we're, we're crossing the threshold, in my mind, from being just sort of that early pioneer stage of AI and DoD to understanding what it means to be a practitioner. So that's what I think about. Well, good luck to you and all the best. General Shanahan is retiring and will step down this summer. To learn more about this subject, please go to rollcall.com Thursday to read Gopal's story. Finally tonight, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi today authorized proxy voting for the next 45 days. Representatives will be able to vote on behalf of up to 10 absent colleagues. Next week, they will use that new and unprecedented capability to propose changes to the Paycheck Protection Program for small businesses, enabling restaurants and others to use government loans to pay their rent in addition to their payroll. The rule change will also allow House committees to hold virtual hearings, but the committees, which typically prepare legislation for floor consideration, won't be able to do that yet. The rule says they must first hold two hearings and a practice session before they can. That's all from the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. From all of us at CQ Roll Call, I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for listening.